another edition of the UK Law Weekly podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week, we're going to be looking at the case of Burnden Holdings UK Limited and Fielding. And the citation for this case is 2018 UKSC 14. And this case might get a little complicated because there are a lot of different companies involved. We can start off though with Mr. and Mrs. Fielding, who are the defendants in this case. The claimant, Burnden Holdings UK Limited, were a company where the Fieldings were directors and controlling shareholders. It was essentially just a holding company for a number of trading subsidiaries, including Vital Energy Utilities Limited, where, according to his LinkedIn profile, Mr. Fielding is the managing director. In the early part of October 2007, the shareholders of Burnden moved their shares to a new holding company called BHU Holdings Limited, and a week later the shareholding in Vital Energy was also moved across to BHU. Later on this shareholding was moved yet again to yet another holding company, this time called VHL, and after Mrs Fielding sold her shares in VHL, the original company and the claimant in this case, Burnden Holdings, went into liquidation. Quite complicated then, but it doesn't take an expert in commercial law to work out that there is something a little fishy going on here. More than six years later, in mid-October 2013, the liquidator of Burnden began proceedings on behalf of that company, arguing that the movement of the shares in Vital Energy Utilities Limited was unlawful. Unfortunately for the claimant, this was a matter of days outside of the six-year limitation period given in the Limitation Act 1980, and so the defendants made an application to the High Court, arguing that the claim was time-barred. The High Court agreed, but the Court of Appeal then set aside this decision on the basis that Section 21.1b of that Act states that there is no limitation period where a beneficiary under a trust makes a claim to recover quote, from the trustee trust property or the proceeds of trust property in the possession of the trustee or previously received by the trustee and converted to his use. End quote. Beyond this, the Court of Appeal also submitted that Section 32 of the same Act might also apply regardless as this states that where the defendant deliberately conceals relevant information from the claimant, the time period does not start to run until said information comes to light. It was with these questions of statutory interpretation that Mr and Mrs Fielding appealed to the Supreme Court. The justices began by looking at Section 21, and in particular whether there is a trust relationship that exists in this situation. After all, we are talking about directors and their companies, rather than something that might classically constitute the trustee-beneficiary relationship. However, it is clear that the analogy does hold, because directors such as the Fieldings are responsible for looking after their respective companies, and this even amounts to a fiduciary duty in the eyes of the law. Thus, Mr and Mrs Fielding can be said to be the trustee and Burnden Holdings UK Limited are the beneficiary in this case for the purpose of Section 21 of the Limitation Act 1980. With that established, the defendants' arguments moved to being about the shares themselves. They argued that because the shares continued to be held by the other holding companies, 
rather than by themselves, section 21 could not apply. In other words, the Act talks about the property having to be, quote, previously received, end quote, by the trustee. But if the shares were never actually in the possession of the fieldings, then under a literal interpretation, section 21 is inapplicable. Unsurprisingly, this line of reasoning did not stand for long, and in his lead judgment, Lord Briggs was quick to lift the corporate veil and expose the de facto reality of the situation. Directors are fiduciary stewards of company property, and importantly, are considered to be in possession of that property right from the start. Whether that property ever officially ends up in the hands of the directors themselves does not make any difference for the purposes of the Limitation Act, and nor does it affect the analogy of the trust relationship that we mentioned earlier. On the other side, there was an examination of the intention that lies behind the provisions in Section 21. Old case law such as in re Timis, Nixon and Smith 1902, as well as more recent cases like J.J. Harrison Properties Limited and Harrison 2002, show that the point of the time limitation is to protect a trustee who has unknowingly done something that is technically incorrect. What it is not, therefore, is to protect people like Mr. and Mrs. Fielding, who, if the case is made out, will be guilty of fraud. Taking all of this into account, the court unanimously found that Section 21 does apply in these factual circumstances, and so the limitation period of six years does not stand, and the case brought by the liquidator on behalf of Burnden Holdings UK Limited can proceed. It also meant that the court did not have to make a decision as regards the application of Section 32, and this is probably for the best as it would have led the court down a rabbit hole of investigating the concealment of relevant facts and the nature of the fraud. Overall, this is a useful decision and helps to bring to the fore the original intention for the limitation period set out in section 21. The analogy between a trustee and beneficiary, compared to a company director and a company, is by no means a stretch, and actually reflects the reality of a situation where a financial responsibility does exist between the parties. If a strict literal approach had been taken, then Burnden would have lost out, but the willingness to pierce the corporate veil means that those who have done wrong cannot escape on a technicality. Well, that's all we have time for this week. Thank you very much for once again tuning into another episode of the UK Law Weekly Podcast. And thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. If you do get a chance to leave a rating and a review on iTunes, that is always hugely appreciated. Special thanks this week go to N. Dumont who left a five-star review. That was really awesome. Thank you very much. Well, I'll be back next week with another case. But in the meantime, bye!